This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank you and good afternoon everyone. Well, Rahab is one of those uh, characters uh, It's not mentioned very often in Scripture, just eight times, and five of those are in the chapter that we just read and one other chapter in Joshua. Um, there are three references to her uh, in the New Testament, uh, but I won't put you on the spot and ask you to find out where or suggest where. Uh, there's one in Matthew chapter 1, uh, in Hebrews 11, and also in James 2, and we'll be looking at some of those later on. Uh, and there are three other places where the name is used, though not referring to Rahab herself, but more of that later. So there's not a lot of references, so you'll be pleased to know there's not going to be an enormous amount of page turning and trying to find references uh, in the talk this afternoon. Um, now, you may have heard of the uh, writer and historian uh, Philippa Gregory. She's written extensively on uh, periods of British history, such as the War of the Roses, the, the, the Tudor era. Um, and she comments that little is recorded uh, about the role of women in those periods of, of time, uh, just simply because they were viewed as not of consequence um, even when they were doing significant things, which is um, a, 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 an attitude which we, um, thankfully today, we, we see as very strange, but one that um, has prevailed through much of, of human history. And some people take that view, that view that we, uh, we've just been talking about, and apply it to Scripture and say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about women very much, so it's part of that same kind of cultural uh, attitude towards uh, women um, but I would actually turn that on its head and say that God, God's word clearly recognises the role of women very important women in fact uh, and it stands out from uh, its contemporaries for the fact that it talks about uh, women having very key prominent roles to play, key um, parts of of God's plan uh, and of these uh, Rahab's a very good example so uh, I hope we can sort of see part of uh, th that argument in what we're looking at uh, together. Now the context of, uh, of Rahab that we just read in, in Joshua chapter 2 um, is one set in the very early days of the conquest of the land uh, that was promised to the children of Israel. And uh, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, uh, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, uh, even Jericho. Uh, and they went and they came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now, Joshua himself had spied the land out some 40 years earlier. And perhaps with that experience, he chose a way that he felt would uh, raise the least suspicion uh, amongst the inhabitants. Uh, the spies were uh, known to be young men, which we see from Joshua 6, verse 23. Um, 
uh, and so perhaps they would blend in particularly at this place that they lodged, the harlot's house, if that's what it was. We'll come to that again in a moment. Did they already know of this place in Jericho? Um, and, of course, being young men, um, they'd be more mobile, able to, as, as I know to my cost these days, um, you know, to, to get around, to be fit and active uh, and agile. So... Um, it's a, it's a natural choice to uh, choose these young men. Now, we note that the, uh, the authorised version uh, translation of Scripture uh, refers to Rahab as a harlot. Um, but some other sources, uh, Josephus, uh, for one, uh, uh, refer to her, to her as being an innkeeper. And you may indeed have a, a, a translation uh, that makes a, a similar sort of suggestion. The New International Version, for instance, says so in a, in a marginal reference. Um, so some have gone to suggest that Rahab was uh, the landlady, if you like, of a lodging house. But that doesn't quite work, because when we go to the New Testament and to some of the references which we'll uh, look at later on, um, the, the, uh, the description of Rahab in, in Hebrews and in James... Uh, is quite specific. Uh, it's a Greek word um, used to describe uh, a prostitute. Uh, this was the word that was used when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, in the Septuagint version. Um, that same word was used for, for Joshua uh, chapter 2, the references there. So I think we have to be careful before we sort of try to... Uh, sort of change the, the nature of uh, Rahab and this place that she was uh, running in Jericho. But it's less important than what happens next. Whatever this place is, a lodging house uh, or a brothel, um, it would have been a good place for spies to uh, gather intelligence about the city, what was going on. And Rahab would be familiar with the conversation of her guests um, and have a good idea about their, um, their thoughts uh, uh, about the, the threat of uh, invasion. And we see that from um, uh, chapter 2 of Joshua and, and verses 9 and 10 that we read together. But, uh, let's continue in the second verse. Uh, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither to uh, tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. How did someone come to inform the king of Jericho that there were strangers in the city, uh, Israelites whose intention was to spy out the country? Um, perhaps they were overheard by uh, other patrons of Rahab's establishment or uh, you know, perhaps their, their language or, or their accent um, showed them up. Well, verse 3, the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thy house, for they be come to search out all the country. Uh, the king's messenger is then sent straight away to Rahab's house, demanding that she brings out the spies. Now, precisely what happens here is, um, is difficult uh, to uh, pin down. Um, was... Uh, was it assumed that Rahab would 
be able to forcibly remove the, 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 the men from the, the, um, her, her property herself. That seems unlikely. So perhaps um, what's going on is that at the door, um, she's stalling the messenger, um, and her response is uh, more sort of, uh, just a minute, I'll see uh, if they're here, and I'll, if so, I'll go and get some of the other clients to help me to restrain them and bring them to you. Um, and that would give her some time to hide the spies uh, up on the roof in the flax, uh, verse 6. Um, or maybe it was just simply that you know, there's banging on the door and she realised that something uh, is happening. And, uh, well, anyway, she hides the, the spies before going to answer the door. Verse 4. And the woman uh, took the men and hid them and said thus there came men unto me but I wist not whence they were now that's a bit of a problem because uh, has she just lied how can we reconcile that with the commendations that she gets when we get to the New Testament well um, it continues um, uh, well sorry the uh, it's the ASV a different uh, translation says for verse 4 and she said yea the men came unto me but I knew not whence they were so I, I don't know where they are at the moment or, or I didn't didn't know from where they came perhaps is a another way of thinking about it um, so whatever was going on um, she is perhaps telling what we might call an uh, an untruth or, or just simply blurring uh, the, the, the truth a little bit um, and is therefore uh, being very shrewd and, and similarly her statement in, in verse 5 it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out whither the men went I know not uh, pursue after them quickly for you will overtake them that might have been true too uh, the men might have left her house for a short time uh, and she didn't know where they'd uh, gone before they returned. Um, and so her suggestion to the uh, arresting party here is to leave the city in pursuit of them. Well, it's not a lie, it's just very bad advice. Um, but maybe we're still a little bit uncomfortable about this apparent lie. But there are other precedents um, that we can see in Scripture. Um, Saul's daughter Michael told the um, court officials from Saul that David was sick uh, in 1 Samuel 19. Um, David told Jonathan to explain his absence to Saul by saying that uh, he had to attend a family feast in, in 1 Samuel 20. Um, David uh, makes a statement to Ahimelech that he was uh, on the king's business um, I mean, you could argue that that was true because uh, David was the rightful anointed king um, at the time in, in 1 Samuel 21. Uh, and David also feigns madness and lied to Achish about uh, his exploits uh, in that same chapter and in uh, chapter 27 of 1 Samuel. All that from a man after God's own heart. Well, there are a common elements to all these incidents. I think the first thing to point out is in no uh, case were others 
condemned at law as a result of what they were saying. So they weren't um, saying something to uh, incriminate others. Uh, and nor did they personally gain from it. Uh, we can perhaps see also a furtherance of God's will. Um, it's not an endorsement of lying, uh, uh, of course. Anyway, coming back to Joshua uh, 2, and uh, when well, we've looked at verse 5, and in verse 6 it says, She brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the flax, uh, the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. So the fact that they're there suggests that this was the, the time of the, the, the flax harvest and they were drying out uh, on the roof. Now flax was used to make uh, ropes, um, possibly uh, also uh, tapestry and, and, and other um, woven things. Um, and it's uh, one of those nice little uh, incidences, undesigned coincidences in, uh, in scripture that um, the, we also have the scarlet thread uh, mentioned, um, which perhaps is uh, flax thread. Um, and uh, in the next chapter, in, in verse 15, it talks about it being the time of harvest. So um, all of these little details um, gel together into the events that are going on. Verse 7. Uh, the men pursued after them uh, the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they were, which pursued after them were gone uh, out, they, they shut the gate to the gate of, of Jericho. So the pursuers, thinking that the spies uh, are trying to return to the, the, the camp of Israel, um, have, have gone after them to the fords of Jordan, because Israel at this time is camped on the other side of the river. Um, but this was the time of year when the river was in full spate, as we know from uh, chapter 3, verse 15. So the fords of Jordan would have been um, about the only safe crossing point for the river. The spies would still have to wade or, or swim through quite deep water to cross the Jordan in flood, and um, maybe that's another reason why they had to choose young men for this job. But we now see why Rahab was such an amazing person, an amazing uh, example of faith, an amazing um, Bible character. Uh, verse 8. Before they were laid down, she came up on, uh, unto them on the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen up upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you uh, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. So before the, the, the men retire for the night, Rahab explains to them why she had acted to save them from arrest. She's already shown great bravery, but now she shows what that's based on. It's her faith and remarkable knowledge. She seems to even be citing scripture. Just have um, Joshua 2 verse 11 
uh, if you look at that, and I'm just going to read some words um, from Exodus 15, uh, verses 14 to 16, and you'll just see the similarities. So in Exodus 15, verse 14, it says, The peoples have heard, they tremble. All the inhabitants of Canaan are melted away. Terror and dread falleth upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they are as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over that thou hast purchased. And also in in Deuteronomy 4, verse 39, it says, Know therefore this day, and lay it to thy heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above, and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. Did you see some similar phrases going on there? Um, And I find that quite striking. Um, Maybe Rahab isn't citing um, those scriptures particularly, but it suggests she had some familiarity with with them beyond um, uh, that which we might uh, immediately think apparent. Um, Could it be that... Rahab, or perhaps her parents, had actually originated from Egypt. Perhaps they had left during the the chaos of the the plagues and the defeat of Pharaoh's army. More on that later. Uh, We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that she knows the God of Israel. And she knows that he has a plan for his people and she clearly wants to be part of it. Verse 12. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Um, So, well, she's done the spies a favour, Uh, and now seeks one in return. When they conquer Jericho, she asks that her family might be saved. And verse 14, the men answered her, our life for yours, if you utter not this our business, uh, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly uh, kindly and truly with thee. Now, we know from... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 that the children of Israel weren't to make uh, alliances or allegiance with the people of the land of Canaan uh, because of their uh, idol worship and the uh, terrible things that they did uh, in worshipping their gods and yet they do with Rahab and I wonder whether this is a little bit more evidence that perhaps she originated elsewhere, perhaps, as I said, in Egypt. Anyway, she now helps them to escape and is given instructions for when uh, Jericho uh, is attacked. Uh, So verse 15, she lets them down by a cord from the window uh, for a house is on the town wall. Um, And uh, she instructs them in verse 16, Get you into the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers return, and afterward uh, go your way. Um, 
so there are various uh, other provisions, but the key thing was to uh, put in verse 21 this scarlet line in the window of her house on the wall. And uh, so the men, the uh, spies leave and go to the mountain, verse 22, and stay there three days and uh, they're not discovered. When the capture of Jericho happens, she and her family uh, are going to be spared because of this action that she takes. Letting them down on a rope through the, the, the window of the house, which conveniently located on the wall so they could uh, escape, even though the city gate is locked. Uh, and they go to the mountains, um, well, to the west of Jericho, uh, and they stay there for three days. And it's possible that these are the same caves and ravines in the mountains uh, around um, a place called Qumran, which, of course, is where the Dead Sea Scrolls were, were hidden for nearly 2,000 years. So it's a good hiding place. They are only found 70 years ago, of course. Um, verse 23. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. After the, the search party has returned um, to the city, um, sorry, the, the Jericho search party now returns to the city. They're em uh, empty-handed. They haven't found the spies. Um, and it's interesting to reflect that only two men were faithful when the first set of spies were sent out uh, back in Numbers 14. And now we have two faithful spies reporting that all will be well this time. The Canaanites, they're not giants, they're terrified of Israel. And uh, then a few chapters on, chapter 6, the assault on the city takes place. And we again catch up with Rahab and her family. And in verse uh, 16, it says, And it came to pass at the seventh time of going round the city of Jericho, um, Israel was marching round the city, uh, and the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto all the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And this confirms the fulfilment of the promise that Rahab and her household would be spared. Uh, verse 22 uh, Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were the spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them uh, without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron uh, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Even unto this day. It's interesting, isn't it? It's... Um, that's contemporary record. 
uh, and it suggests that this scripture was being written down contrary to how um, many critics of the Bible um, would suggest um, not centuries after the events um, but in the lifetime of the people that experienced them um, Rahab was still alive when this was written why else mention this detail well before we look at um, New Testament references I did mention that there were a few um, other places where Rahab is mentioned we'll just mention it in, in passing um, they're in Psalm 87 um, Psalm 89 and Isaiah 59 um, in all these three cases um, they appear to be referring to Rahab as a place rather than a, a character uh, and one of the possibilities is that they are referring to uh, Egypt um, I'm not going to dwell on that actually for time and instead we'll, we'll move on to the um, the New Testament and Matthew chapter 1. Where we see there's an important connection between um, Rahab and King David. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. That's our star of the afternoon, Rahab. And Boaz begat uh, Obed of Ruth, and Obed uh, begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Well, Matthew's genealogy here is, is interesting in that as well as covering the, the male side of the lineage back from Joseph uh, to uh, Abraham... It mentions only four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the Moabitess, uh, and, um, well, Bathsheba is mentioned, but not, 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 uh, not actually named, uh, and the other woman named is Mary. And this genealogy tells us that uh, Salmon, the father of Boaz, married Rahab. Who was Salmon? Perhaps one of the two spies that had come to Jericho. Well, the main thing is it means that uh, Obed, David's grandfather, had a Gentile mother, uh, Ruth, uh, who was from Moab, and a Gentile grandmother, Rahab, um, let's say possibly from Egypt. Well, we don't know how many other Gentile women were wives of others mentioned in the genealogy but it must be a reflection on the character of Rahab that she's one of the few that's mentioned uh, by name uh, and alongside the, another example of great faith that being Ruth um, if you think that I'm uh, sort of overdoing this idea of uh, Rahab as an amazing Bible woman um, well, the other key New Testament reference to go to, of course, is Hebrews chapter 11. And in that passage, which is all about faith, uh, of course, it's her faith in particular that gets uh, the emphasis. Um, 
and you know, not not really surprising. This is a woman who was clearly of such uh, character that she is in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Well, Hebrews eleven. Um, verse 29 by faith they passed through the red sea as by dry land which the egyptians uh, are saying to do were drowned by faith the walls of jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days by faith the harlot rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace and what shall i more say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, uh, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. So Rahab, um, her faithfulness means that she takes her place in this uh, list of the great examples of faith. In fact, the last of those uh, whose uh, example is elaborated any, in any way before time fails the writer to talk about the others in any detail um, and it's interesting what is picked out he, the, the, the writer stresses that she did not perish with her contemporaries in Jericho because she believed in Israel's God when they didn't Jericho did not think God would intervene and judge their world and destroy it. But Rahab escaped that destruction and is on this list of faith because her faith drove her to do some, uh, something positive, drove her to action, uh, drove her to do things. And uh, James, in his letter and our final reference, um, builds on that idea. Uh, letter of James, chapter 2. And uh, verse 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had, not, uh, had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So in verse 25 there, having cited the example of uh, Abraham, the, the father of the, the faithful already, whose faith was not... Uh, not something abstract, um, but ruled his his actions, what he did, um, especially in the offering of Isaac, uh, or being willing to offer his son Isaac. Um, James goes on to say, likewise, Rahab, he stresses that her works resulted from her faith. She did not simply say, I know that the Lord has given you the land uh, for the Lord your God is is heaven uh, is God of heaven above and earth beneath um, which is in contrast of course to the the belief of the gods of Canaan uh, who could not save um, she didn't just say that and, and and leave it at that she acted on the faith that she had her belief and by doing so she saved herself uh, she saved her family from destruction and secures this wonderful place 
uh, in the annals of the faithful. And, of course, one day we'll meet the one to whose line she contributed. So Rahab is a truly amazing example of a person of faith and an amazing example of a a, a woman uh, in Scripture um, that we can uh, look to uh, as a, uh, a, an example um, of, of great faith. She believed in the God of Israel. She understood um, her faithless world was going to be judged and condemned by God. And she realized that there was still hope, hope of salvation, to do in faith what God wanted her to do so that she could be saved. So uh, she's a a great example for us as we also live in a similar world, a world that is godless and a world that God will judge. And just like Rahab, we can be saved if we take the right action. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk Christadelphians.org.uk